surround us, O God, with your love and the movement of your spirit this morning as we dig into your texts, these sacred movements of your spirit in the Bible, and we ask what they mean for our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is a tricky text this morning, this little story from Luke chapter 17. New Testament scholar, uh, a man named Marcus Bart, used to tell his students, if you cannot find the word of God in the text, it is not the text's fault. Go back and try again. This was a good week for that advice. The scripture appointed for today is not very well known, and it may be with good reason. It is not a picturesque, well-described story. It is a few little sayings and stories strung together. The transitions in between are abrupt. Some of the content flies in the face of what most of us come to church wanting to hear. There's a parable about worthless slaves and their master. Neither side of that metaphor sounds good. For all of those reasons, for me, this text was, or this week was not a week when the sermon topic jumped right off the page. It was a week for go back and try again. Now, on a more positive note, uh, Tom Long, who is a teacher of preachers, has written it's important that some sermons are tough to write. Sometimes sermon writing is trying to get blood from a stone, and this is what makes preaching relevant to real life. In real life, some days and some weeks are hard, harder than others often in ways we don't see coming. You come down with a cold, or you get a really bad night of sleep, or a parent or a friend calls needing help. A surprise project comes along at work. The basement floods, the furnace fails, the car breaks down, and of course there are worse things that can happen. Unwelcome news of a serious diagnosis. A marriage is falling apart. A child is in crisis. Preachers know that on any given Sunday, some of you aren't listening to these sermons at all. Not because I'm boring, though certainly that is a possibility. It's because the pain you are carrying is so overwhelming that you can't focus on a word from me or from anybody else. Difficulties, struggles are a part of life, and sometimes we don't see them coming, and we have to figure out how to get out of bed each day and put one foot in front of the other. Preaching can be a metaphor for that. Some weeks I don't feel ready or inspirational or I just don't like the text, but every week Sunday comes. So I don't know if it was the fourth or fifth or twelfth time I read the text for today, but at some point it dawned on me that in this text, the disciples themselves are having a bad week. When we find them, Jesus is talking to them. He's offering them some hard words about the necessity of forgiveness. 
again and again and again. And finally, they arrive at a breaking point, and they exclaim to Jesus, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Enough already, they say. Jesus, the demands that you are placing upon us are too many. The bar is set too high. There aren't enough hours in the day. There is not enough patience in our souls to do these things you keep commanding of us. You've heard the cliche that God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, I'm happy to tell you, because I like uh, disturbing these cliches, those words are not in the Bible. Life often gives us more than we can handle. And the disciples are there in this story. When they say, increase our faith, they are at the end of their patience with this Jesus. He demands from them time, service, money, forgiveness in unending ways, and it is quite enough. And they say to him, if you are going to ask those things of us, Jesus, you, you increase our faith. Maybe you expect that Jesus is going to push back hard and come at the disciples with another challenge. And if that's what you expect, then Jesus will surprise you here. Oh, he says, oh. And with a little smile on his face, actually, actually a little bit of faith, a little bit of faith is all you need. Faith the size of a mustard seed, and you can do anything. You can pick up a tree out of the ground and plant it in the ocean and watch it grow. Faith is such an amazing thing that you only need a little bit of it to get by. And you, all of you, have as much as you need. And then, just as it seems that things are looking up in this text, Jesus tells this story that I don't like. The metaphor is about slaves and masters, and I wish Jesus would have chosen something else. But this is the metaphor that he uses, and he points out that when slaves come in from the field, masters are not going to invite them to sit down and eat and drink, and nor are they going to thank them for their work. And this, Jesus says, is what faith is like. Thankless work. Sometimes with faith, you just have to show up and do what you have to do. This is not the most inspirational way of expressing faith, but it's honest, I suppose. Sometimes faith is a struggle, and no one thanks you for having it. And yet, sometimes the gifts of faith are received precisely when we are struggling, when we are trying our best just to make it through the day. Simone Weil was a profoundly gifted philosopher who lived with a whole host of health problems and died quite young as her career was just beginning. This is back in the 1940s. She once wrote this, in 1938, I was suffering from splitting headaches. Each sound hurt me like a blow. I discovered a poem called Love by George Herbert, which I learned by heart. 
Often at the culminating point of a violent headache, I made myself say it over and over, concentrating all my attention upon it and clinging with all my soul to the tenderness it enshrines. I used to think I was merely reciting it as a beautiful poem, but without my knowing, the recitation had the virtue of a prayer. It was during one of those recitations that Christ himself came down and took possession of me. I had never, I had never foreseen the possibility of a real contact, person to person, here below, between a human being and God. A philosopher, an intellectual critic of things like faith, she discovered the meeting of Christ at a time of great pain and suffering. She discovered God while following a routine, doing the one thing she could handle to manage her pain. And it ended up being exactly what she needed. Perhaps all she had was a tiny grain of faith. And God showed up. So sometimes faith happens in the midst of our struggles. It may be true. But that can be hard to talk about. I once read something a certain pastor wrote about gratitude. He told a story of meeting with a friend who had many troubles to talk about. His business was struggling. His ex-wife was sick and needed to borrow money. He didn't care for his daughter's new boyfriend. An old back problem had flared up. The pastor listened and sympathized and eventually suggested that the man should think about things he was grateful for. The man listened and gave kind of a lukewarm answer that he would try, but he said that it felt fake. I wasn't surprised. It can be hard to count your blessings when things are rough. I do think that it works, though. And I heard another story about the same kind of thing, a story that I liked better. A woman asked her pastor, his name's Mike, to come over and visit her son, who was in danger of being kicked out of school. When Mike arrived at their home, the young man, Adrian, was laying on the couch watching TV. He didn't get up. He didn't even turn his head, which was no surprise. What troubled teenager wants his mom to invite the pastor over to make him feel worse? But Mike... Mike is different than most folks. Mike is a good listener, and he's also a strong believer that when you want to help someone who is struggling, you don't talk to them about their deficiencies. You talk to them about their gifts. And so that night, Mike got Adrian to start talking about what he was good at. They talked about football for a little while, but soon they got to talking about fixing stuff. You see, Adrian was handy. Adrian knew how to fix small electronics, and he knew his way around bicycles. Kids in the neighborhood needed bikes. 
and Mike knew it. And so in the next few days, he talked to a staff member at Notre Dame. This was in South Bend, Indiana. And Mike made a deal to come pick up the abandoned bikes that were left on campus at the end of each term. And Mike's church put a little money into some simple workbenches and tools for the garage, and Adrian and two of his buddies started fixing bikes and selling them to people in the neighborhood for whatever they could pay. Children who didn't have money could get a bike by taking a bike safety class that Adrian would teach and by agreeing to wear a helmet that a church member put up money to buy. This, I believe, is a real story about looking on the bright side. Fixing bikes kept Adrian in school and probably kept him out of jail. And what's more, it happened because of little things that a whole lot of people were able to do. The Notre Dame employee, the members of the church who provided the tools and who bought the helmets, Mike, who found a meaningful way to talk to a troubled kid about what he was good at. I know some of you struggle to know how you can contribute here at Knox and in other places in your life. Maybe the problem is a lack of time or a lack of money. Or perhaps you're not strong enough to do the things that you used to. And it's been hard to discover the set of gifts that you have now. I know. I know that there is always some gift that you can share. Here's a story about what I mean. One of our most senior members of Knox is a person who used to be very busy around here in lots of obvious ways. Those days are past. Many of those things are not possible the way they used to be, but he still does something for me every week. On Monday or Tuesday, I can expect a phone call. Sometimes it's a card, often it's a call, often just a voicemail about my sermon. He listens on Sunday, carefully. He tells me what he remembers most. He tells me what he thinks other people took from it. He tells me to keep up the good work. He tells me that he's praying for me and for my spouse and for our children. And the following week, he calls again. When I go through a week like this past one, when I get frustrated because I cannot seem to get a sermon written, and I have to keep going back to the text, finding, trying in vain to find God's word, I think about those phone calls. I may be telling myself that this week's sermon is really going to stink and half of you are going to sleep right through it. But I know that he is going to call on Monday or Tuesday, that he's going to be here on Sunday to listen. So I better keep looking for God's word and the text and I better show up on Sunday with a sermon. There isn't anyone sitting in this room 
who can't do something like that. Provide encouragement to someone who needs it. To provide encouragement and act in faith and in kindness as a way of passing on God's love. As we get into stewardship season and you start hearing this month that we want everyone to participate, I hope you will prayerfully consider that every one of us can do something. And as for that guy who calls me each week, you know who you are. This year when you fill out your pledge card, I hope a mention of your phone calls will be on that card. Sometimes things are hard. Sometimes it is all we can do to show up. Sometimes it is a struggle to do the things that we ought to do. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. All the faith that you need is a little the size of a mustard seed for God to do something in your life.